Welcome to the Radical Remission Project Stories That Heal podcast. My name is Kelly A. Turner, and I'm a PhD cancer researcher, New York Times bestselling author of Radical Remission and Radical Hope, and the founder of the Radical Remission Project. In this podcast, it is our honor to bring you inspiring healing stories directly from radical remission survivors themselves, as well as from the amazing doctors and healers they work with. Hello, and welcome to the Stories That Heal podcast. This is Liz, and today Carla and I are excited to welcome our radical remission survivor, Mana Washio. In 2009, Mana was diagnosed with a rare strain of cervical cancer. After her surgery and biopsy, she was categorized in the highest risk group for reoccurrence. There was no radical remission information available back then, but her intuition kept telling her what to do and she ended up incorporating all of the healing factors. There has been no reoccurrence since 2009, and today there is no HPV in her body. We are so thrilled to have our friend and colleague, Mana, here with us today. Hi, Mana. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you so much for having me today, and I'm really excited to be here, and I feel very honored. Thank you. Oh, well, we love to, to to have Mana with us as she's a, a fellow radical remission coach like Carla and myself. So we are um, excited to hear your healing story. So why don't you start out with how you did come to learn about radical remission and and maybe a little bit about your um, your diagnosis? Sure. And um, actually, during my cancer journey, you know, just like Liz said in the intro, um, the book was not yet available. So um, I, you know, solely relied on my intuition to implement all those 10 healing factors. But the reason why I discovered the book Radical Mission was because I was doing online research for my late um, uh, father-in-law, my husband's father, who had stage four esophageal cancer in Japan. And I was researching some books in Japanese and stumbled upon Radical Mission in Japanese um, through Amazon. And I ordered it for them. And I was like, oh my gosh, so this is written by American woman. I should read it in English. <laughs> and it was a few years ago, but um, you know, and then I started reading it in English and realized that she was giving, you know, teacher training and everything um, at Omega. So that's why I signed up for that. And, you know, I was in training with Liz and Carla course. But uh, yeah, so that's why I discovered about um, radical mission training and became a teacher and health coach. Excellent. So yeah, so following your own intuition, why don't you tell us about your diagnosis and then how you kind of navigated that path? Yeah, so of course, it was very shocking because um, at the time, I, uh, I think it was year 2009, and my husband and I got married late 2007, so we were still newlyweds, and we were basically told that after the surgery, it will be you know, difficult to have children, so it was a big blow to me, of course, and also um, uh, the result of the biopsy um, turned out to be bad news, too, because uh, I was in the highest risk group, and the doctor was very certain that I will get another cancer down the road. Um, but, you know, I, at the time, of course, being newlyweds, and I, I wasn't going to leave my husband behind, so um, I was going to do anything and everything I could do at, the, at that point. So, uh, yeah, so that's how it started. 
Yeah. And um, I just, you know, basically followed my intuition um, and started changing my diet first. That was the easiest thing to do because I also remembered uh, from my childhood, um, um, I was, you know, sick quite often running high fever and my siblings who was having really severe asthma attacks. So my parents actually did some, you know, diet change and experimenting when we were little and it did help. So I just remember that experience and maybe I, if I change my diet, you know, there could be a difference or I can, you know, change the odds or outcomes. So that's what I started doing on my own. And um, then I, you know, discovered this practitioner who uh, prescribed herbs and supplements and, um, and then went on. So I, you know, did all the other factors as well, but yeah. That's awesome. That's fantastic, I, Mana. What what do you think the three most influential factors were? Which were the three that just most strongly um, helped you during your healing journey? Um, I would say intuition mm-hmm. is number one because without intuition, I'm not here today. I just kept listening to my intuition, and it was too overwhelming to you know do all ten things at the time. Right. I, I knew I needed to change something like mentally, emotionally as well. But um, and it's OK. I keep telling this to my coaching clients, too. But I just did one thing at a time. But each time, as long as I listened to my intuition, it kept telling me what to do next. So uh, then I kept on going. So intuition is definitely number one. And another one is, um, yeah, the uh, spirituality was a big biggie because really the HPV virus disappeared after I started practicing Reiki daily. Um, and I think that, you know, most powerful part about using Reiki is, of course, scientifically, they know um, it could shift our ner- nervous system, autonomic nervous system from sympathetic to parasympathetic. And we don't heal in the sympathetic state, which is fight or flight, and we only heal when we are in relaxed state, which is parasympathetic. So we can actually shift our nervous system to the healing state. And the more regularly or more often or the longer you are in that state, it's more advantageous if you want to heal your body or if your immune system is suppressed. So that was definitely, um, without it, I might still have HPV in my body. I don't know, really, right? I I wanna ask just real quick on that, like how, how do you, just for those listening, um, apply Reiki to your spirituality? Like, how does the how did the two go together for you? Well, so that um, I actually learned two kinds of Reiki. Um, I feel very fortunate. I have two teachers, and my first teacher Trudy told me um, taught me uh, Western style standard Western style Reiki, which taught me um, set hand placements on my body from head to toe. Um, and it was actually created by Hawaii Takata, um, you know, who um, started that so-called foundation treatment. And she lived in Hawaii. Her parents immigrated from Japan to Hawaii, and she was born in Hawaii. That's why her name was Hawaii, by the way. <laughs> and um, so that's that, that was her style, and that's the mainstream Reiki in um, the U.S. especially. And originally in Japan, because I was very curious, I'm Japanese, and it started in Japan. Why didn't I hear about it while I was there, right? Um, so I, then I found my second teacher, Elise, who taught me 
about the Jikiden Reiki, which came down, Jikiden, by the way, means direct lineage. And that came directly from um, Usui, uh, who started the Reiki practice, and he, uh, he actually trained a few people, but one of them was a medical doctor um, who actually um, completely ditched his Western medicine practice after he learned Reiki, and he concentrated on just Reiki practice. He had his own clinic, and people were coming in every day, and you know, two practitioners worked on one patient every day, and so forth, and many people were cured, and one of them was the Hawaii Takata. She came from Hawaii to Japan and learned it, right? Um, and uh, she was de determined to learn it because it, without knowing how they cured her, she thought she might you know, have the problem again when she goes back to Hawaii. So that's, that was uh, how it started. But I think you know, she, um, she had to change it around because um, so the traditional way is more um, you know, very, very much spiritual. And also meditation is the foundation of Reiki practice, really. You know, um, these days, hands-on healing is emphasized so much, but it's really, um, that is a byproduct of the meditation practice. So meditation is the very, very core and foundation of the practice. So if you think like that, then, you know, um, because, it, yeah, I think some schools of Reiki don't really touch upon meditation or don't teach meditation much, but Jikiden Reiki really, really, really emphasize meditation practice. So, um, so I was fortunate to learn both styles of Reiki, and because I'm Japanese and I'm also, you know, a trained musician, I just wanted to, you know, go back to the authentic roots of how it started. Um, I decided to practice and teach Jikiden Reiki, and um, so yeah, so the meditation component is really big, I think, um, and it, it is definitely, you know, spirituality component. Um, and, um, yeah, so I think, um, that it was a huge piece of puzzle for me, probably yeah. the last piece of puzzle for me. Great. Thank you for sharing that. And, and what would be the third factor that was most important to you? Um, so that will be probably herbs and supplements because, um, I already thought I was eating quite well and everything, but I had such toxicity in my system. It really needed to be removed and a chemical and heavy metal toxicity um, and that's a really hard one without using herbs and supplements, you know, so, um, so I think it was really um, great. And also, um, Fansui, I really respect her, but she started practices in Lexington, Massachusetts, but she was the one I saw. Um, and she does acupuncture and herbs and, you know, um, other things, uh, Chinese herbs and um, everything. So, um, and the muscle testing she does is super accurate. Um, it's like laser beam accurate and it can tell exactly like what kind of nutrients the body is missing and, you know, depending on the season, depending on the day, depending on the stress level, what you need to eat changes, right? So, um, and she kept tweaking my diet, like, oh, why don't you add this more? Why don't you, you know, use this instead of this? Or um, So um, that was really helpful. Tell me, how do you, um, how do you touch point the more emotional healing factors like increasing positive emotions and releasing suppressed emotions. How did they play in your healing? Um, so um, let's see. So I actually did have a childhood trauma memories um, in my childhood. Um, yeah. So those were actually really important um, things to address. 
I think, um, you know, and the modality I use, you know, I use to heal those memories was, is called healing code. And I still use it for my practice. You know, often, oftentimes when cancer patients come to me, they have, um, you know, high ACE score. You probably know what ACE is, right? Like adverse childhood experience score is high, you know, like some kind of trauma in their early childhood. That's very common among, you know, maybe it's synchronicity. I don't know, but it's usually what I see when I um, start talking with my clients, I usually discover something. Um, and it's a very, very um, efficient and um, easy thing to use for anybody, even six years old can use it successfully. So um, basically what it does is um, if you have any trauma memory, it's really vivid every time you remember everything is crystal clear and then, but you are like getting so much stress out of it every time you remember, right? Um, but that memory starts fading. So it, it, it starts fading and it becomes blur. And at the end, you can't really make out what's in there anymore if you continue to use, you know, this healing code modality. And um, that's the power of it. Um, and, uh, you know, without knowing it was causing a lot of stress response in my body, but it started dissipating and was uh, very helpful. That's yeah. Great. yeah, I agree. I, I find a lot of um, similarities as to what you've said with, um, you know, when working with clients, there there tends to have, there is a pattern of, of childhood trauma there. Um, and not to say that everyone that has a childhood trauma ends up with cancer or everybody that has cancer had a childhood trauma, but, um, but I, it, to me, it really spotlights the importance of dealing with those traumas from a physiological perspective as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You You know, so if you think about fight or flight, again, like anything, you know, that's connected with such stressful memory will trigger that response in our system. So it's all about awareness, right? Um, so after a while, you know, I'm I'm able to I, I still have stress for these, you know. <laughs> of course, they, everybody does, right? Um, life is like that, but but then you become more aware of it when it becomes, you know, um, when it comes up, like you know, if it's not so strong, you can catch it early and nip it in the bud. But if it starts snowballing, then that's like really, really stressful and uh, not good for your body, especially when you're on healing journey. So catch yeah. it early is another thing. But, you know, this is like, you know, in a way practice, you know, you you become an observer more of your, you know, situation and um, state of your um, phys- not just physical health, but mental and emotional state as well. Being diagnosed with a serious health challenge can be emotional and overwhelming. At Radical Remission, we believe no one needs to face a diagnosis alone. Our certified health coaches work one-on-one or in small groups to support people living with a diagnosis to integrate the 10 healing factors of Radical Remission. Our team of coaches include national board certified health coaches, doctors, nurses, and other medical practitioners, as well as mental health providers. Our coaches meet each person where they are on their healing journey to offer support, accountability, and goal setting in a positive manner. Check out RadicalRemission.com to find your health coach and connect with them to learn more about what it might look like to work together. See the show notes for links to find a coach on RadicalRemission.com.
The Radical Remission Foundation is our nonprofit whose mission is to advance education and support scientific research on the topic of radical remissions. Researchers at Harvard have completed a pilot study to analyze the benefits of the Radical Remission Workshop and online course for cancer patients. Specifically, the research study is looking at the impact the workshop and online course may have on patients' quality of life and dietary habits. The results are currently being analyzed and are very promising. If you'd like to support the Radical Remission Foundation as we continue researching radical remissions, please consider making an end-of-year donation at radicalremission.com donate. In addition to continuing the research, the foundation will offer scholarships to those in need of financial support in order to participate in a radical remission workshop. We believe that this information should be accessible to everyone who needs it. Please consider donating today at radicalremission.com donate. No amount is too small and every donation is appreciated. Visit www dot radical remission dot com slash donate to learn more. Do you have any go to's for increasing positive emotions? Um, I did gratitude journal hmm. quite a bit. Um, and, um, you know, like anything you, you can incorporate, um, anything to give you joy right? Like even just baking some cookies or like, you know, going to pick some flowers or, um, or if you are like, um, artsy type, then you can knit or you can play music or you can, you know, there are so many uh, possibilities, but, um, the wellness wheel is great when there is a dip in the, you know, um, diagram, usually there is a missing piece and, um, and, Quite often, you know, it's a very interesting, but Louise Hay, late Louise Hay talked about how, um, you know, ovary and uterus is the home of creativity, right? So, you know, cervical cancer patients, ovarian cancer patients, they come to me and I, there is a common thread actually, like creativity is sort of, um, you know, suppressed in a way or like uh, not the optimal, or like they are yearning to do more, but they can or something, you know, there, there has been common thread among my clients. So like, you know, that's one of the important factors. So some people start making jewelries or some people starting using adult coloring books or, you know, arts and crafts, anything. But uh, I think it's really important to, that's a form of self-care too, right? So I think it's really important to take care of yourself and just like, you know, and I always say to everybody, I'm actually doing a social support webinar tomorrow uh, for a company in New Hampshire, but, um, you know, I think it's really, um, really, really important too. So, um, yeah. Yeah. That's great. And, you know, those are some really good tips for people to, to get started. I'm curious about releasing suppressed emotions and um, how you or which of these modalities you use to help yourself release suppressed emotions and continue to release the negativity and the, the lower vibration emotions. Yeah. So there are so many modalities out there. You can, you know, there are endless possibilities. I really want, you know, anybody who is listening to podcasts to feel hopeful 
because you know uh, those modalities might not be advertised so much on TV, but they exist. <laughs> you just need to do research or like keep asking around, or you can reach out to me, you know, to find out more about these. But um, um, I have a friend who was learning sound healing. Um, my friend was going up there to learn, um, you know, how to become a, a sound therapy practitioner or something. So she was going through the training, and she wanted to practice on me. Um, and so she, um, I think I was at her house and she was giving me a session. Maybe we're doing Reiki exchange or something. Um, and she said, Mona, did you have any like, um, trauma or like, did you, did your mom have really difficult birth, um, when you were a baby? And I was like, well, you know, yeah, maybe she, she had difficult birth. I don't know, but you know, um, um, but I just remembered one story. Um, so when my parents got married and they, when they were young, I, I was born, I'm the first child of the family. Um, and my um, paternal grandma and my parents were living together. And, um, but my mother and my paternal grandma, um, you know, have a little bit troubling relationship. And when I was a little baby, uh, my, grandmother took me to her room and locked the door so that my mother couldn't enter and I only I didn't remember anything but it must have been a really really frightening experience because it you know think about being detached from your mother who is the life source and you are breastfed and you you know I think it was a sort of life and death kind of situation for a little baby and i'm sure i cried and i might have heard my mother outside of the door or like i don't know how long i was in my grandma's room or i don't know how many happened i have no recollection whatsoever but after the fact after my grandma passed away i heard the story from my mother um and you know like at that time like i wasn't connecting those two but then I had, um, because of my electro hypersensitivity, this is a whole, another whole set of story, but I'm, so I don't go there <laughs> in details today, but uh, unless we have time. But uh, um, I was working with limbic coach. This was shortly before um, I was able to, you know, become, well, I, I was able to be able to use, um, you know, I'm using the screen shield uh, on Zoom so that the camera doesn't bother me and everything. But in order for me to get there, I still had to have limbic training with the limbic coach who lives in New Jersey. And I had a session with him. And he also said, Mana, did you have any trauma memory <laughs> when, you, when you were a ba baby or a toddler or something? And I was like, well, I don't remember this thing, but you know, I just recalled you know, this incident, you know, my mother told me about it and my sound therapy, you know, friend is doing, you know, um, session for me. And she was also telling me, so maybe there's, and he actually started doing a session on me. I started crying nonstop for three days. I'm an adult, you know, I couldn't stop crying for three consecutive days. And after that, my um, EMF tolerance went up. And until then, I couldn't even run washer and dryer in my house when I was trying to do laundry. I had to get out of the house to be able to do that. Now I can stay inside of the house. So, um, you know, and that's probably not the only thing. I think there could be ancestral trauma or, 
you know, like there are people who work on those things, but uh, that's one of the example. Yeah, great. So um, for the sake of our audience, I'd love for you to explain just a little bit about EMF and what that is, and um, if, if you're comfortable sharing your experience. Sure, sure. Well, thank you. Um, so EMF is an electromagnetic field or electromagnetic frequency, and that, that is, you know, emitted from many different sources. Um, and actually, there are four kinds of EMF, and radio frequency, electrical field, magnetic field, and dirty electricity. Um, and you need different kinds of meter to measure th those four different fields. Um, and they are, there has been lots of science behind this, and there are you know, really internationally well-known doctors and researchers who are specifically uh, researching on this very topic. And if you go to um, Environmental Health Trust website, you can get the latest research data, um, findings and everything from the website. And the director of that organization is Dr. Deborah Davis, who used to be the uh, head of the National Toxicology Program under Clinton administration. So um, she has lots of data to back up her research. and. Um, and she knows what she's talking about, but there is actually quite a bit of harm, which people might not be aware of. And the biggest one is immune suppressing effect mm. and also pro-inflammatory effect, which is uh, really key for cancer patients, right? right? Yeah. So during my coaching practice, I usually talk about these things in earlier sessions. Um, and, you know, like um, clients start implementing little things because it's the effect is usually cumulative. So, right. um, you know, once the barrel starts overflowing, there is more symptoms. But until then, the body is fighting, 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 try to balance itself. Right. So. Um, but uh, yeah, but it's really critical, you know, especially like if you want to strengthen your immune systems, it's really, really critical. And um yeah, so I usually teach people how to mitigate and how to reduce and how to be mindful about because we are not saying no to technology. You know, there's there's no way because I'm only able to connect to my clients all over the world via Zoom. I I've taught you know regular lessons to you know so many people abroad and everything, but um, yeah, so it's only possible with the technology. It's just that you need to know how to use it safely. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, thankfully with your experience, you have so many resources for people to, you know, make change and not feel that they have to give anything up significantly and, and allow them, you know, to your point about it being a cumulative benefit, that's, you know, the perfect example of the healing factors, right? Lifestyle change, you know, none of them are light switches that immediately you see the result. A lot of them and all of them, really, you have to implement them, adopt them, refine them, and you'll see the benefits over yeah. time. And I think that's where um, that the power of lifestyle change really shines. Yep. I think it takes time. So there's no quick fix. There's, you know, um, no quick fix, but it is more like a marathon. You know, it's not a sprint. I tell my clients all the time. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but looking back, the life before cancer diagnosis, you know, and now if I compare, I, I wasn't this healthy when I was in my 20s. You know, like, I, I think I feel healthier now than when I was in my 20s. 
Yeah, I think so many of us don't really know what health is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right? And also, like I tell my all my clients, you know, cancer is a messenger. It's not your enemy. It's giving us the really important message that something is out of balance and we just need to find what it is. Yeah. Right? And that leads perfectly into the next question I wanted to ask you. What have you learned from your diagnosis? So what was the message that you were getting? Um, yeah, so there were some imbalances in my system. I had toxicity in my body, right? And mental, emotional factors, um, including the trauma. And it, by the way, the trauma I told you about is not was not the only trauma I had. I had other traumas to heal, right? Um, and uh, yeah, but I mean, like, you, you know, uh, usually it's trauma is not that uncommon, but many people do have traumas, you know, even the little things, the seemingly little things from other people's view could be, you know, still bothering, you know, somebody into adulthood. Right. So, um, and it's, it's all about discovering and, you know, like my clients sometimes like work on so many things and eating healthy, exercising, meditating, and they still get recurrence and they come back to me like, I'm doing all these things, but you know, then, but I have to remind them that we need to keep looking into all these areas and it could be the area that, you know, you might not have looked into deeper. Right. So it's, it's a messenger. I, I do think it's sending us important message. Because, um, you know, and also like I was telling a couple of clients I have the other day and um, one has stage four cancer and the other one just had bad news and he needs to have surgery. But, um, you know, I, we, I was ta talking about social support factor only because I'm preparing for this upcoming webinar for a company. Um, but I was rereading Vertical Hope and it was saying that feeling lonely is equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Right. Mm -hmm. And also like um, could be, you know, worse than feeling lonely could be worse than not eating well and, you know, like not exercising and a bunch of other things combined. Yeah. So it, that's really quite powerful. And in Japanese, um, human beings are um, spelled with two characters and one is a, like this and it's a person and Another character is like this, and that's mean. Uh, that means between. So between people mm. is human beings, mm. right? And so that that says something. I think you know, people really, all of us really cannot live by ourselves, and you know, especially in Japanese culture, you know, the country is so small, and it's a, it's the size of the state of California, and half the population of the United States live there. And 70% of the land is mountain. So the rest of the 30% is where people live. So they can't really move away from others, like even if they don't get along. So they culturally, you know, like, so we were brought up like, you need not just, uh, you know, being self-sufficient, but you don't be bothered to other people or like, you know, you, you can't, you know, bother others or like, you know, rely too much on others and stuff. So that's another cultural thing, but it's really um, asking for help when you need it is so really, important. really important. And it's mm -hmm. a completely different skill. Even if you're so good at helping others, right? You might not have that skill. So you might have to work on it. Yeah, asking for help is not an easy one for a lot of people, but it is, as you said, very important. 
Yeah. Yeah, Mana, would you, um, is there any one piece of advice that you would share with someone who would be recently diagnosed? Um, that is the most frightening moment I remember in my cancer journey. But do remember that cancer doesn't develop in one day. It took probably 10 years before it got there, right? And just like I, we talked about today, cancer is a messenger. So receive its message, you know, shooting and killing the cancer cells might not be the answer because if you don't receive the message, it might keep coming back. So I really wanted to receive the message and, you know, start doing little things. And, you know, so you actually have time to implement these things. If it took 10 years to form it, you have time. So just, um, you know, stay hopeful and try any of these radical mission 10 factors, whichever you think you can start trying. Because remember, I didn't try everything all at once. It was impossible for me. It was too overwhelming for me. And that is true for many of my coaching clients. So you don't have to do everything all at once, but one at a time, whichever one speaks to you most, you need to dive in first and keep on going. Excellent. Excellent advice. Yeah, thanks. So what is your status now, Mana, with your health? Um, I'm very healthy. You know, um, of course, I have electrohypersensitivity, which um, makes things complicated. But um, of course, like I'm not performing as a musician. I'm a formally trained professional musician, but um, I'm, you know, doing health and wellness coaching and Reiki as the main thing now. But uh, I do have my instruments, but I haven't um, played it in public for a very long time. Do you play for yourself? Um, well, yeah, sometimes, but um, but I, I, I think I enjoy listening more. You know, my mm. husband still performs, and sometimes he reserves the very, very, very end row <laughs> in the concert <laughs> hall so that nobody will sit behind my head and use phone because I might get a headache that way, mm. so... Yeah, but uh, but I do um, enjoy listening to music, a lot of music, and um, whenever I can. That's and, wonderful. Uh, and the yeah. cancer, the cancer diagnosis. No, no cancer. Not at <laughs> Still all. no cancer. So that's, that's a good. beautiful thing. Yeah, I'm thankful, and I I hope to continue to give hope to cancer patients. You know, um, one of the exhibitors for the organization called Ovations for the Cure for Ovarian Cancer, and they're having symposium at the Four Seasons Hotel downtown Boston, and I'll be um, one of the exhibitors. So I hope to meet many cancer patients there, and I'm very thankful that I was given the opportunity to meet local people, and um, yeah. Wonderful. So is there anything else before we wrap up that you would like to share with folks? Um, well, if any of you um, would like to run Reiki or um, need any help or support, I'll, I'm always happy to help. And um, should I like introduce my website? So it's yes, please. Living Water Reiki and Wellness. And the uh, um, web address is livingwaterreikiwellness.com. And you can uh, get more information about me and what I do. Um, and I'll be happy to, you know, support people in any way I can. And I do offer, I know people are stressed that there are so many chaotic things happening, wars and everything in the world. And um, if anybody needs any guided meditation, I'll be happy to give guided imagery or integrative imagery or, you know, coaching or Reiki or, um, yeah, so you can just reach out to me if you're interested in working with me. 
And I hope um, you continue to, um, you know, move along with your healing journey. And I wish every single person who is listening to this podcast health and happiness. Well, you, you are Mark. quite a resource and so many talents and skills, and we will absolutely have your website and your links in the show notes for our people to connect with you. So thank you so much, Mana, for sharing all of this with us today. And it's so fun to see you and reconnect. It's it's wonderful to uh, to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for listening to the Radical Remission Project, Stories That Heal podcast. Once again, I'm Kelly A. Turner, PhD, cancer researcher and founder of the Radical Remission Project. If you found today's episode inspiring, we encourage you to share it with anyone you think would benefit. If you'd like more information about the Radical Remission Project or would like some support bringing the 10 Radical Remission Healing Factors into your own life, visit us at RadicalRemission.com to find a certified Radical Remission Health Coach or to learn about an upcoming Radical Remission Workshop. And if you'd like to connect with Liz or Carla directly for health coaching, you can visit RadicalRemission.com forward slash about us. Most importantly, be sure to like, share, and please, please, please review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Your reviews are what allow us to keep finding sponsors and sponsors are what allow us to keep bringing you these podcasts. So thank you in advance for your reviews. One last thing, would you like to be on our podcast? If you're a radical remission survivor who's been in remission for at least three years, meaning that you either have stable or dormant disease, or perhaps even no evidence of disease, you can contact us at radicalremission.com forward slash podcast. The Stories That Heal podcast is a production of the Radical Remission Project and Cat Productions, hosted by Liz Curran and Carla Mansgeru, produced by Ryan Giroux, music by Batchbug. Follow the Stories That Heal wherever you get your podcasts.